Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat from the Norton Hornets. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Four Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bowl, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickheads, you could say. It's just it's, they're just there's <laughs> good racing and I enjoy it. Yeah. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to the show. This week, to join me to discuss the topics of the week, Tony Whitlock from Race Facts. Good evening, Tony. Hi there. And Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport. Good evening, Peter. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, uh, Tony. Peter. It's been a interesting, uh, well, an interesting follow-up to the Bathurst 1000 for sure. And Tony, for the first time in, what was it, 27 years, you decided to change it up a bit and watch it on TV and... Was it Coonabarabran? No, Condobran. Out in Condo, the boys at Condo say they're in their regards. And it was a, an amazing race. I was so pleased that I actually could sit and watch it in so much detail because you really had to concentrate on it. Mm. You found out now why for many, many years I'd go up, watch the shootout and then come back because uh, sometimes the coverage you get in the media centre, you don't get as much of the information that Neil Crompton and, and the Seven team can actually... Uh, give to you. Now with the internet, you're certainly a lot more informed about what's going on. You're getting emails and updates and text messages now, which weren't 20 years ago, you just never never thought of trying to get, and you couldn't watch the race and cover the story of the event, Peter. Well, th- that's right. Uh, the, it has become an information-heavy uh, experience, watching motorsport and lots of other sports for that matter. Now, the stories of the week. Lucas Dumbrell is going to use the GRM chassis at the Gold Coast. He's had to pick one up following the damage that Tim Blanchard and Russell Inkel imposed on their car. Charlie Swarcolt and Fiat Supercars are reporting is looking for a new sponsor as Gemwell won't be continuing on in 2015. And Tony, Stephen Otley has uh, written an interesting story for The Age saying that Ford is still a chance of staying past... 2015, which they're already committed to? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, a pretty obvious one because Ford knows worldwide how much motorsport since the uh, early 60s has played a part in that brand being as strong as it is. And, you know, I can't believe that they'd walk away totally. And, you know, obviously because they're not going to be selling the car because they're not going to be making the car um, that's been the forefront of theirs for the last 40 years here. So, you know, it, it changes and, you know... It, it, it depends on whether there is going to be a two-door world in V8 supercars in the near future. And, of course, uh, Ford, not only has it had a reputation in motorsport, but you have to remember that Ford started because Henry Ford was able to build a car, win a race, and that was his stake to start the production line, which changed the motor industry and, and industry in general forever. Yes, absolutely. And, and Ford know full well you know, that they are the ones that invented really back in the 60s when the, the whole pony car thing took off with the Mustang and the whole the orientation towards youth that, that you know, was led by a motorsport charge. Mm. Well, another interesting development Jeff Harris in, at motoring.com has written. Uh, v Supercars chairman has left Archer and that looks like there's a lot of moves afoot there at Archer Capital. Uh, if you read 
some of the stories going on in and around V8 supercars. Yeah, yeah certainly. Um, look, there's an awful lot still to play on this, and a large part of it's built around TV contracts, um, track contracts, the contracts that the, the teams have for racing. Um, and so there's obviously been a, a massive change since it, when the series was at its peak back some six, seven years ago. And unfortunately, the team's uh, income has dwindled over that time period. It was a, at a peak that Archer became involved and that uh, Cocker and Co. sold up what they had and, and the team's got a massive injection for the new cars. But, you know, life's not so good. Maybe it'll change. And it looks likely it will change again. Mm, all right, Peter. The Bathurst blame game at Triple uh, Eight is continuing, or so Fox Sports was reporting even this week. Not only did that race go for a, a record period, it was a record uh, uh, length, of course, with the 63-minute uh, uh, rest in the middle, uh, but the post-mortem seemed to be uh, uh, being dragged out a lot as well. And uh, the, you know, the focus on the uh, Fox Sports article is um, just who in uh, the Triple Eight team was responsible for their, their really, it's they're looking at it as an epic failure. It was their race to lose, but the fuel calculations have cost them. And the debate is revolving around the fuel calculations uh, up to the final safety car. So the, the focus has shifted away from the, the last uh, sort of 10 laps and whether Jamie Wincup should have followed instructions and eased off. Uh, the analysis is about the, uh, uh, the stops and the strategy up until that point. So it looks like they're, they're starting to share the blame rather than just blaming Jamie. And uh, it'd be very interesting politics and everything within that, uh, within that team, uh, trying to look after some bruised egos and those sorts of things. Um, and, you know, the cohesiveness of the team is important as they go on to uh, chase uh, yet another championship. Mm, well, it's interesting times ahead. We've got plenty more to speak about, but to our program guest on the other side of this break, it's Renee Gracie. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. The only, the only things Ross is ever critical on are things that A, you're going to make the car go faster or B, you're going to make the race team look better. So he's um, he's, he's honestly taken on board the, the team and, and almost, you know, it's, it's great to see how much actually he's passionate. In Supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard from Lockwood Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Dale Wood from Team Advam GB Gal, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Well, Renee Gracie, big news at Bathurst is you're going to run in the Dunlop Series next year. 
Yeah, extremely exciting. Um, something I've obviously been thinking about since this year, starting this year in Porsche. Um, it's the next step that we definitely need to take for my development as a driver. So, yeah, it's exciting news, and obviously I'm looking forward to next year. Obviously, Fujitsu were heavily involved in V8 supercars, and you're going to be able to bring them back into the uh, Dunlop series. Yeah, hopefully. So, obviously, they've supported me uh, two years in Porsche and um, next year. So, hopefully, I can kind of have them for the next couple of years, and maybe they can support me even up into the main game again. So, that'd be really great. Um, they've been a great help to me over the last couple of years years and I'm so grateful um, for all their help and support and all my other sponsors as well so they've all signed off so I've got every single sponsor um, so it's really humbling to know that they want to support me uh, for another year and not just in the Porsches but in the Dunlop series as well. Well how do you work now through the next six months till the first Dunlop series race knowing that you've still got to finish a Carrera Cup season and obviously you want to try and get your head around the different cars as quickly as possible. Yeah, so it'll be a challenge. Um, obviously testing is the, the way to go. We're only allowed six controlled test days, so um, hopefully I can kind of maximise the test days that I do get. Um, there's not going to be a transition as big as going from go-karts to Porsche. So I don't think going from Porsche's development series is going to be as hard as the transition I made last year. Um, I'm not underestimating it. It's going to be tough, um, but I do think I can do it. It's something that I want to do. So fitness, just training, mentally preparing for obviously that first round is going to be extremely important. But I guess all I can do is test and maximise and get as many laps as I can and hopefully adjust to obviously... A real race car, back to gears, back to all that stuff, making changes in the car, which I'm not used to. So learning, obviously, what those changes do is going to be extremely important. And um, I think if I can get my head around that, I think I'm going to do quite well, hopefully. Can you start doing test days this year, knowing that you're not going to race next year? And does that come off your allocation for the following year? Um, I'm not quite sure. I'm hoping to do test days at the end of this year for sure. So um, I'm not sure how it works. All I know is that I'm only allowed six. So hopefully we can kind of bend the rules like that a little bit if that's the case. Um, so I, maybe I can do my six at the end of this year and six next year. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I need as many laps as I can get. So that'll definitely be a big idea for me to just get in the car, get seat time and get laps. What about the opportunity to run at Sydney at the end of the year in double duties during the Carrera Cup and Fujitsu? Um, uh, and Dunlop Series. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that'll happen. Um, it's definitely just a next year program. Just going to finish the Porsche this year, end on a good note, and um, yeah, start the development series next year, and hopefully, hopefully start that on a good note too. Well, it's great to have things locked away so early in the year if October's early. Yeah, this has been planned for many months. My management team have done a great job to, to make sure my sponsors are kind of uh, organised and, and my sponsor has, has had the heads up knowing that I was going to obviously make this step. So they all knew, so they were supportive. So I haven't been told too much, um, but I don't know what team we're running with or anything like that. All I know is that we're making the move and, um, yeah, it's been a massive process, obviously, but we're finally here, our toes in the water. So, no, I'm looking forward to it. All the best. Thank you, thanks. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian title since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. 
Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Erebus Motorsport, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Joining me, Craig Ravel, is Tony Whitlock and Peter Norton. And uh, uh, Renee Gracie is an interesting story, but I really want to focus in our time on this V8 supercar board revolving door, Peter, because, uh, uh, of course, we had the uh, we had one chairman who has uh, who passed away after soon taking up his position. But it seems like the commission, the board structure, it's all up in the air a little bit at the moment. Yes, unfortunately, they haven't had the stability that a, a company would like. Uh, a chairman is very important for uh, you know, setting the, the, the tone around the board table, uh, setting the, uh, some of the strategic agenda. Now, of course, the, the executives in the company, James Warburton in particular, uh, he runs the show. But the board is the, the governance, um, the sort of sober second thought to a lot of the things that, uh, that he would be doing. And they put onto the agenda some of the, the big ticket uh, topics like whether uh, Archer want to uh, increase their stake, uh, whether they perhaps want to uh, sell some of their stake. Um, some of those bigger picture things uh, are handled at, at board level. So it's important that you've got uh, a mix of uh, fresh ideas, uh, diversity in experience and skill sets, but you know, stability is also critical. Uh, and that's something they've been lacking. And uh, I'd hate for that to be uh, you know, a bit of a spoiler for, uh, for the sport because uh, in many respects... Um, now, there's some notable exceptions, but in many respects, they're starting to do a few things right. And uh, on, the, on this program, we've discussed it over the last couple of months, you know, some of the things that they're doing right to try to get the uh, fans back to the tracks and the fans to turn on the TVs again. Tony, the interesting part of the whole uh, board situation is it's a culture shift for everyone because before, the board was also working in amongst the operational side of the business. Archer's new... The, the structure under Archer is a very traditional. Board is at strategic level and commission and then the operations managers, the directors in the company are the ones that are, are looking after the day-to-day. Look, I think setting up the commission and the way in which that's worked with um, Steve Horn's involvement as chairman there and uh, several team owners uh, on that commission has meant that um, a lot of people who are involved in it are the ones who feel the impact of those, rather than the commission, rather than the board, which is far more removed from the day-to-day of the running of this. And therefore, they don't actually, A, become involved in it, and B, see the implications of those decisions. So I think the, the setting up the commission has meant that the board can look far more strategically, and I think that's been a great benefit to it. Also involving people like uh, Steve Horn has uh, been uh, a great man uh, to, to bring his expertise to it. Um, there's been a, a, a real change, though. I mean, you know, just recently, there at Supercars Queensland office moved offices. Now... It was part of that, that shift where marketing has moved to Sydney and uh, you know, it, the dominant position that they had as a sporting body in Queensland is no longer the case. It's, there's been a real shift there. But it does make sense, Peter, that Sydney being the you know, commercial capital of Australia is where V8 Supercars now is set up because trying to run out of Queensland, you always had engendered with those white shoe brigade years. Well, particularly because they were based on the Gold Coast, uh, 
and you know, a stamp of credibility is a bit lacking sometimes when you're working from the Gold Coast, uh, whether that's warranted or not is uh, a different discussion. But yeah, based in Sydney amongst the big corporates, it is a, a different tone, a different culture uh, around the, the top uh, executive seats uh, uh, in an organisation. Uh, so I, I do understand that move that they've made. Mm. Now I'm going to say Stephen Bartholomew reported on Speed Cafe, but I'm just realising now that I don't know if it was uh, Stefan's story that talked about the potential sale of the rest of V8 supercars to Archer. And, uh, it was followed up in, I think it was Geoffrey Harris's piece, Tony, that uh, he also talked about that sale as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, another shift in the whole uh, landscape of um, ownership of the series. I mean, the thing that's hurting now is that there's no dividend to the teams. I mean, they're reliant on what income they can make from sponsorship. And that's a very uh, tenuous thing at any time. I mean, the strength has been over the last few years is there were such uh, healthy dividends um, going back to the days when Level 2s were still running in the series and they were making, you know, quite reasonable sort of checks were coming in for them. So it's a very different um, body that uh, exists now. And, you know, if it shifts again, that means that the uh, teams will uh, get a half million dollars of income from that at least it goes some way towards their overheads. Mm, but, Peter, it is a very interesting problem to have to try and balance up. Well, it becomes a, a punt. It's a gamble. Uh, get out your crystal ball. Will the future value of the shares uh, and the, the future dividends be more than getting that half a million a year, which I think is uh, what was mentioned in the article was it was for a set number of years. So it's not going to continue indefinitely. It's uh, almost a, an instalment plan uh, to, uh, to to buy your shares. Um, yeah, crystal ball. Does the sport have a big future? And the uh, that's, I think it's 30 or 35 percent that the teams own now. Is that going to grow to be particularly valuable? Because we know that it has no value in a decision-making sense. They're completely outvoted now, and they don't have a, a, an effective say. They don't have an effective vote when it comes to for the board voting on anything. Um, so strategically, it doesn't matter if they've got their thirty-something percent or zero. It's really just a punt on the cash flow. Mm. And of course, we're looking at this under the uh, guise of it's being represented to teams as a twenty-five race car model we have a battle going on in New South Wales court where two teams are trying to get their wrecks that they handed in last year back because they want to get back into the series, Tony. Yeah, look, uh, this is all very, very messy and uh, it, uh, it becomes murkier and murkier. So when you think back about only a few years ago where you know uh, there were several uh, licenses changed hands for um, that mill and mill and a half each and uh, going back 10 years ago where people were able to walk away from the sport and have something as, as to show for their efforts compared to when the, the Moffats of the world retired and they had nothing so you know the, the Cochrane model of uh, setting it up was certainly a, a healthy one for the teams and beyond the, the sport but now it's just very messy indeed I mean where it's going to end up, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, at the moment you get the law involved in things. I mean, the implications of the uh, the case were that uh, it was a flawed model that was set up with uh, some of the legal uh, way in which it was done you know, questionable. Mm, but importantly, Peter, we did see a few years ago when teams have fallen over and or licences have been handed back, 
there was a, a price put on that licence and either the market was able to buy that licence or V8 Supercars bought that licence. And uh, I know talking to uh, some people up and down Pit Lane, they're saying that because there was no genuine tender bids, a licence now is worth zero and that's what the handed back licences are now worth. Yeah, the, the court case is fascinating. Uh, at, at, a, at a very superficial uh, level, the, the court decision was actually in favour of V8 supercars because the, the decision was about the interpretation of just one clause uh, and that was about, uh, in essence, um, did they have to be sold by a tender process? And, of course, if you had no compliant tenders submitted, of course, they didn't sell by a tender process. Uh, so V8 supercars won on... on uh, the interpretation there that it didn't have to be a tender. However, the judge made some very damning remarks about uh, the original drafting in those contracts. Um, words to the effect that, that surely they weren't drafted by a competent lawyer. It must have been done by a complete amateur. So it would be fascinating to see if it really was prepared by a law firm. Uh, they'd be very red-faced. But the, the key in some of those comments were that um, if a a tender process had to be conducted, and it was, um, and then the uh, wrecks would be sold uh, the, the most commercially advantageous uh, way uh, for, for the team. Uh, and that's the part where some quite cutting comments have been made because in the absence of compliant tenders, V8 supercars have sold those wrecks to a company related to itself for $20,000. Uh, and that's what's upset the people. So it's good that we're now getting some uh, transparency of what the issues are. Um, they've sold it to themselves for $20,000 when the, uh, the teams themselves have paid you know, $1 million, $2 million or something like that to, uh, to buy the wrecks in the first place. And it's obscenely undervalued uh, for that uh, sale to have proceeded at 20000 Now, uh, what the judge has really indicated is that while V8 supercars have won on the technicality that he was there to adjudicate on, the judge has said, we've not heard the end of this, uh, and he's recommending that uh, the, the commerciality of the 20,000 uh, really be reviewed as, uh, as part of the ongoing part of the, the court case. So, uh, yeah, watch this space. Uh, I think that the 20,000 does sound like it was unreasonable in the circumstances, uh, but you know, perhaps there was a, a reason and, and calculations behind why those uh, contracts are worth so little. Mm, well, it's going to be interesting, and you have to remember that for someone selling their their uh, selling up or someone buying in, they've now got this uh, this anomaly where actually it's virtually worthless to buy this wreck, Tony. Yeah, it's a, a grave concern. You know, if you'd set up an enterprise and the idea that it was going to be a commercial uh, operation, then, gee, yeah, return on investment, questionable. You'd have to wonder how that is going to all play out. We need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. We'll be back to preview the Gold Coast. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett from HHA Racing. You are listening to Inside V8 Supercars. 
Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. The only, the only thing Josh is ever critical on are things that A, going to make the car go faster or B, going to make the race team look better. So he's um, he's, he's honestly taken on board the, the team and, and almost, you know, it's, it's great to see how much actually he's passionate. It's Supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Scott Pye from Wilson Security, Dick Johnson Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, where Peter Notton and uh, Tony Whitlock join me, Craig Ravel, and the Gold Coast. Well, I think it's safe to say that if Carnage had a picture next to it, it would be cars at the Gold Coast, either upside down or into a wall, Tony. Yes, indeed, and uh, fortunately now that we don't have the same number of... uh newbies to V8 supercars as existed a couple of years ago where blokes who'd never actually uh, done a race start and a (laughs) a standing start were being asked to do it. Um, So from that point, it's probably going to be safer. I think that the standard of overall driving is far better in terms of uh, the way in which it's handled. And so I think that yeah, carnage will be will be less because people realise that Phillip Island and uh, Homebush is coming up shortly afterwards. Um, you know, the, the series um, at the Gold Coast has been dominated over the last three years by the usual suspects of Triple uh, Eight and uh, FPR and Walkinshaws, and it's hard to see that not changing. Um, no one else has really put their hand up in any way, shape, or form to say they're coming on the street circuits. Although, of course. You know, Rogers had for some years been extremely good on uh, street courses and, you know, obviously Scotty McLaughlin's been up there as well this year in qualifying, so, you know, that's likely to be the case. Mm. Peter, can FPR back it up from Bathurst? Um, Well, I can't see why not. Um, They've had some form up there on the coast uh, in the past. Um, I would be surprised if the, uh, the Bathurst winners were... Uh, continuing their form, uh, but that's a, a longer, more complicated story. Uh, I think uh, Winterbottom is the uh, more consistent uh, high performer in that team, and I'd expect him to be the one uh, fighting for positions there. Mm. Don't forget, Davey had his first win there as well. Yep, so they, they definitely have got runs on the board there. Uh, look, the fuel restrictions have been dropped ahead of this weekend, and that's uh, it's of note, but I think with the 300k race, it's not as critical, Tony, as what we've seen in, of course, 5 and 1,000 kilometres where it's all on the same day. Yeah, I, I don't really know why this has. I haven't been able to uh, speak to anybody uh, to find out who was driving the... Uh, getting rid of the... the uh, the fuel uh, requirements. Do you think it might be someone that saw a Nissan on the podium at Bathurst? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a car that stopped 13 times. Well, they obviously <laughs> didn't have any fuel problems, did they? <laughs> well, they were getting a tank of fuel every stop. <laughs> no, no. Erebus and, and, as we mentioned at the very top, uh, Lucas Umbrell, both using new chassis. Lucas is using a Gary Rogers chassis, so I think that's going to be interesting to see how they adapt their triple eight engineering ideas into that Gary Rogers chassis, but Erebus are using a Ford chassis, Peter. That's got to be a bit different to the ones they made, especially for the Mercedes. Um, well, I guess you have to acknowledge that under the skin, these cars are all the same, and it's really just how you uh, hang the outer shell uh, onto that frame. 
to make it look like a, a Commodore or a Falcon or a Mercedes. So, uh, yeah, it's probably going to be a, a, a bitzer, um, and uh, who knows if it's going to be particularly fast. Uh, I'd, I'd imagine it's a stopgap. Well, you've got to remember also the Volvo first ran with a Holden engine in it. Yes, yes. So uh, I, I think they're doing what's necessary to uh, satisfy the obligation to turn up. Yeah. yeah, it has been a, a very, very busy time for a lot of the teams. We need to take a break and back with a final thought after this. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought, Tony Whitlock. Um, look, I must say it will be my third meeting in a row for this year, and which has not been the norm, so I'm looking forward to getting and seeing the cars back on the streets. It's, um, you know, the, the series uh, is in great shape. I mean, we had five new drivers on the podium at Bathurst, which was fantastic. Nick was the only one who'd been there before. Um, and I think that was very healthy. The fact that we had a new winner at Bathurst was fantastic and to incite people and bring them back. Um, I, I, I think that there's a good chance that that might happen again at Surface Paradise. Mm. Peter Norton, your final thought. One of the things I enjoyed the most about Bathurst is the post-mortems and all of the considering uh, what could have been and what should have been and all of that. And some of the more entertaining ones are things like, crikey, we, we came close to Holden not making the podium and being beaten by Mercedes, Nissan and Ford. Now, that would have been rather awkward for them. Uh, and also, the, the, I guess, the comparisons to a Stephen Bradbury, that it really was a race of the uh, more fancied runners uh, falling over during, you know, through all sorts of different, uh, uh, quite exciting and fascinating reasons, uh, and it was the uh, you know, the more sustainable ones that uh, uh, tried to stay out of trouble. But heaven forbid, they actually did get into trouble. Uh, first and second crashed multiple times. Uh, so. Uh, what a fascinating race and uh, enjoying all of the pub talk about what could have been. Mm, well, I think we're going to see more bash and crash this weekend at the Gold Coast. Thanks very much to Tony and Whitlock and Peter Norton. That's all we have time for this week. So till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.